Well, I'll say this, um, I shared with Howard earlier today, kind of got thrown for quite a loop this morning with some crazy news. And um, so the ordinary worship might seem simple, ordinary, singing, confession, prayer, that really, really ministered to me. I needed it. So I hope it's the same for you, that the ordinariness of a worship service really ministers to our, to our hearts and our souls. Many years ago, Don and I were dating, and I've got these requirements or prerequisites for us to get married. Mine involve a couple movies. Now, fortunately for her, she was a bit more serious. Does this guy love Jesus if I'm going to marry him? Okay, so she had, she had better prerequisites. But mine, one was on the humor side. It was Fletch. you got to love Chevy Chase and all that. But the other was a movie in a different genre. It was a Western it was the Magnificent Seven, not the more recent one, the, the way old one. And I loved that movie, and she needed to love it too, because there were seven guys who were called. They thought they were going to this town for glory and riches, but along the way, they realized their calling to a much greater good, that they were going to give their lives for a greater good. This morning, we're not going to look at seven guys. We're going to look at five guys who were called to something much greater. And maybe you heard that little five guys, right? Okay, so five guys. The title of this message, you know, so we're going to say maybe, maybe it could be five guys catch up to Jesus, okay? Don't worry, it gets worse. Or maybe it's five guys must start with Jesus Christ. Or five guys willing to fry. Stephen, I needed your help with those puns. But... So, on a more serious note, probably just call it five guys come and see. Five guys come and see. In our big idea this morning, that hopefully we get is that in our relationship, in our walk, in our journey with Christ, relation, relationship leads to transformation. Relationship leads to transformation. So with that in mind, would you stand now for the reading of God's word? And you'll see we are going to make it through all of John by the end of the year. So each time we're getting a few more verses that that we're going through. So we're going to make it through it. So we're going to finish John 1 this morning. John writes, God speaks. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him, and he said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, So you are Simon, the son of John. 
you shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You may be seated. Would you pray with me? Our Father and our God, your call, the Lord's call on our lives, has to, must, could, would, should take precedence over all the other chatter and noise. Would you make it so? In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so this morning, our, our outline is pretty simple. We said there's five guys. We're going to look at each one of the five. First guy, John the Baptist, verses 35 and following. We see John finishing up where Howard took us last week. John's got one more thing to say here in chapter 1. Basically uses some scripture. He says, behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. And one thing we're going to see with John the Baptist is he's kind of like, he's kind of like the point guard on the basketball team. He's, he's willing to hand off to the best. I don't have to score all the points. I don't have to get all the recognition. This guy's more important. I'm going to hand off to him. You guys follow him. He gets the credit. And he does it with scripture. That little chunk there, the Lamb of God, is scripture. And John is witnessing with scripture. And so you might think about that in your own life. How many times you're speaking to somebody, sharing with somebody, and ooh, it gets a little bit nervous. What, what do I say? What, I don't know what to say. There's often that benefit of having some tool in the tool belt, some scripture to rely on to say, ah, this points them to Christ. So maybe it's some of you from years back might remember the Romans road or Howard gave one a couple weeks ago, 1 Peter 3.15. I love 2 Corinthians 5.21. Have something, have something, that tool in your tool belt when you're a little bit nervous and maybe you're trying to share Jesus with somebody, what, what are you going to land on? So John does it with the Lamb of God. And we realize John is, as this point guard, willing to pass off. He's not about building his own spiritual empire. Does that happen in churches? Yes, it can. Yes, it can. 
But John's one who's going to say, I got to decrease. He's got to increase. He's the guy. Go with him. And they leave. They're going. Which takes us to our second guy, Andrew. Andrew hears, there's the Lamb of God. Now, Andrew could have played it cool. He could have been like, yo, JC, what's up? Have a good one. I don't need you. But he's, he's up and going. There's the Lamb of God. I'm gone. I need him. I need him. And the fact is, we're all needy. We're all needy. So Andrew goes and follows. He's following, I don't I think he's like right up on Jesus' heels. Jesus turns and says, what do you want? And is that not one of the most important questions in all of scripture? What do you want? What do you want? What are you seeking? He says, Rabbi, and in that little parentheses there in the, in the, in the Scripture says rabbi, which means teacher. So he doesn't say that, which means teacher. Scripture tells us, which means teacher, great one, master, mentor. Where are you staying? And so that word staying, we're going to see later in John 15. It's the word for abiding. Already he's saying, I want to be with you. I want to abide with you. I want relationship with you. Back then, the disciples were learners who would follow in the footsteps of their mentor. Relationship leading to transformation. Andrew's saying, this matters. I want to do this. You know, there's the quote about children, right? I think it's, what is it? You, you tell your children, you are what you eat. Okay? You are what you eat. More significantly, you and we and I we are what we love. We are what we love. I'll give Howard, you gave me this quote a couple years ago. A guy named Ashley Knoll said this, what the heart desires, the will chooses, and the mind justifies. We tend to think so often, oh, I decide something, I figure it out in my head, and then I choose it, and then the heart will come out along later. We're not just heads on a stick. Our hearts desire things, and then we justify it later. That's what happened to me just as we head spinning about this conversation with somebody. That's what they're doing, but for the wrong reason. And we want to do this for the right reason, where what our heart desires, choose the right thing, then the head justifies it as well. Andrew, he's that great picture of a lighted torch serves to light another one, serves to light another one. So within just, I don't know, within 24 hours or an hour or whatever, he's following Jesus and he's, I got to get somebody else coming along to come and follow Jesus. So now just think about this. Aspen Grove is a church. You can be sure that Howard and I, we want to pe- preach the word of God faithfully. And we want people converted through the preaching of God's word. But I think you also know, maybe in your own life, where, who pointed you to Christ? Was it not a friend, a brother, a sister, a relationship 
a relationship where somebody else was saying to you, come and see Jesus. Come and experience Jesus. So Aspen Grove, it's that simple witness that all of us are going to have with our friends, with our neighbors, that are going to make a difference. Come and see. So Andrew, as he goes to Simon, says, we found the Messiah. Messiah was Hebrew for the Greek word Christ, which meant anointed one. So back then, even in some kingdoms now, they'll they'll still have uh, a coronation service where they anoint them with oil. So that's what he's saying. This is Jesus the Christ, the anointed one. You need to come and see him. Jesus Christ, anointed one. So Christ is not his last name. It's not Jesus' first name, Christ's last name. Christ, he's the anointed one. He's the Messiah. He's the Messiah. So Andrew, we see him. He, he's not the main disciple. He's not Peter, James, John, all that stuff. But look at the role he has. He's, he's kind of like, all right, he's not the point guard. He's not the center. He's, he's like the manager, on the basketball team. He's like, come be a part of this. This is so much fun. I don't, I'm not the best one out there, but you guys got to come. You got to come see how good this is. He introduces others. He's introducing Simon here in John 6. He's going to be the one who's, we got to feed all these people. I don't know what to do, but this kid here has got five loaves and two fish. Try this. He's bringing him. John 12, there's some Greek guys asking him about You guys need to come to Jesus. Isn't that beautiful to be one like Andrew? Come and see. He's he's just happy to be a part of the team. I think one with that that kind of enthusiasm, one of our sons, Benjamin, he's he's a really good athlete now, but back when he was five or six, he wasn't the best. But when he was out on the basketball court, if one of his teammates scored, He was just like hugging the kid coming back down the court. He was so excited about it. When he was on the bench, I can remember out of the side of my eye, what's this thing bouncing over there? And I look at Benjamin, all the kids are sitting on the bench, but he's just jumping up and down because he's so excited for his teammates. That's Andrew. I'm so excited about this. You got to come. You got to come see him. For us, for application, Think about this, that question that Jesus asked Andrew, what do you want with Jesus? John, what do you want? What do you want with Jesus? Fred, what do you want? What do you want? Terry, what do you want? Is that not a heart question for us this morning? So there may be somebody here this morning who's saying, well, Jesus, you know, I, I realize I'm a little rough around the edges. I need a little help with some morals. Can you kind of refine me, shape me up, shine me up a little bit? That, that's what I want. Or it might be, Jesus, I know you can make me happy. I've got a wonderful plan for my life. You come alongside me and, and help me get where I want to go. And I'll, I'll give you credit, uh, you know, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Jesus, help me do what I want to do. He says, no, follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. Might be here this morning for wrong reasons. Somebody made me come. 
You made me come. I don't want to be here. I'm mad at God. I still have this pain in my past. I'm mad at God. Jesus is saying, come and see. Come and see. Try relationship with me. You're coming to the right person. Come and see. One other little thing, verse 39. There were two guys, right? Two guys who went, Andrew and somebody else. We don't know who the other one is for sure. Little note there in verse 39. Somebody who knew the details, who said it was the 10th hour. Jewish time, it's 4 p.m. going on. Don't know for sure, but I think that was probably John who's writing this. John, the beloved disciple, who was so impacted by Christ's love for him. So he, I think he was there. It's 4 p.m., spring afternoon in Galilee. Galilee. He realizes, I'm following this guy too. And his life was never the same afterwards. He never, or he was overwhelmed by the love of God for him, the beloved disciple. So our third guy, though, Simon. Andrew goes, Simon, you got to find out about this. You got to hear this. Simon, in the ancient world, they often had two names. Okay, you'd have a, a kind of a, a Greek uh, business universal name out in the culture, but then you also had your um, kind of name, family, friends name, they would call you. But Jesus goes up to him and says, Simon, and then he looks at him. The word there is such an intense look, looking into his heart, reading his heart, but then speaking into his heart, said, Simon, you get a new name. You get new names. You're going to be Peter, your Greek name, and Cephas, your Aramaic name, Rock. Peter, this is the only time we've seen him. He, he doesn't say anything. This kind of stands out because he's always talking, right? Not this time. I think Peter's like the guy on the bench. Coach never plays him. He's got nothing. He's got nothing. Until somebody comes and speaks to him and says, yeah, you're a fisherman, but you know what else you are? I'm going to build my church on you and the rest of these disciples. There's something special for you. I'm not just predicting this because I'm telling you. I'm declaring this is who you are. Peter. Is that not how Jesus looks at us? Who are we becoming? Who are we becoming? Our identity is in relation to Christ, period. Illness, loss of a relationship, failure, failures. Could be you know, how we read news, it's all about the news now. Whatever we read, if it aligns with our tribe or whatever, we get angry, fearful, happy. Just Jesus says, no, your, your identity is in relationship to me. Come and see, follow me, I will make you who you will be. C.S. Lewis put it this way, he says, is when I turn to Christ when I give myself up to his personality that I first begin to have a real personality of my own. I give up mine, I take on his, now I have a real one. 
So our question, consider this. Who am I, who am I becoming? Who am I becoming? I, I'll be first to confess this. So often I start the day, I have my list, this is what I want to get done, and if I do, then I'm good. I feel better about myself. What if we start the day by saying, who am I becoming today? Who am I becoming? Kierkegaard even said this. He said, we get so involved in busyness, so involved in busyness, we lose the ability to form a heart. Watch out for the busyness. Watch out for productivity. It's about doing fruitfulness. Fruitfulness about becoming. In a sense, we're made to be little, little mirrors reflecting a big, a big God. Who am I becoming versus what am I doing? That's for me. Our fourth guy, Philip. So Christ says, come. He comes. He, he doesn't know much. So just to keep going with the, the basketball thing, he's, he's like the, the forward. He's just got one play. I just go to the goal and drive in, and I don't know who's in my way or whatever, but I'm just, I'm just going. I'm just going. Because he comes to Nathaniel, and he says, you got to come and see. And Nathaniel, Nathaniel's kind of harsh in the answer he gives him. You know, who what comes good out of Nazareth? Philip's like, you know, it could be, and, and this is like the questions, you know, you're trying to sell somebody, come and see Jesus. Well, what about evolution? What about the natives who never heard the gospel? What about Aunt Sally's cancer and all this? I don't know. He just says, just come and see. I don't know, but I do know, come and see. And you think about it so often, apologetics, if you know that, that fancy term, apologetics are great often for the believer who's maybe struggling with some questions. What do I do about that? Apologetics are wonderful for that evangelism is a bit more genuine, concerned, loving proclamation and invitation. Want the best for someone. Philip could have said, well, Andrew, he's, that's a nasty dude and leaving him alone, but he wants the best for him. Even though he's ornery, I, I want you to have the gospel. I care about you. And it's funny, he tells, Philip tells Nathaniel, he says, we found, we found the guy. <laughs> and you think about that. Well, who found whom? I don't think Jesus was lost, right? So we think about it in, in our own lives. Yeah, Jesus found me. Jesus found me. So big deal. Well, what that means is, hopefully there's a lot of humility there. To say, it wasn't because I was the smartest, it wasn't because I was the prettiest or handsomest or cutest. It's because he found me. Whoa, I did not deserve this. So Philip's witness to, to, uh, to, to um, Nathaniel is he says, the one Moses wrote about in the law, the one Moses wrote about in the law, even the law, even the law in our Bible even that's talking about Jesus. Starting off the Bible, there it is, pointing to Jesus. Anticipated the Messiah. Anticipated the Messiah. So another point to us that 
Brothers and sisters, we need to know our Bible. Need to know Christ to show Christ. And many of it, and, and, and that's our that's that's the will of God right here in this. For Philip, he's saying, the will of God for me is to know Jesus and you to know Jesus. And what's funny about that so often, you think of that question, especially young adults and whatnot, you know, what is, what is the will of God? The will of God is two things, right? Who should I marry? <laughs> Debbie or Sue, which one? I need the will of God. And then what's my job? Saying the will of God, it could be either of those, but it's, it's come and see. Have relationship with Jesus. That's the will of God. Philip's saying, this is what matters. So then we get our fifth guy. Fifth guy, the one Philip's been talking to, Nathaniel. Nathaniel, maybe in other gospels, Bartholomew, maybe different names there. We don't see Nathaniel in the other ones, but he's super helpful, what we're going to see with this guy. We've already seen he's kind of like this uh, prickly porcupine kind of, kind of fellow there by what he says. He's, he's the guy on the team. He's, he's just too cool for school. The new coach comes in. Nathaniel's over here just doing his own spinning the ball on his finger and all that. And he's like, who's the new coach? What you got? I ain't playing till you prove yourself to me. Okay. That's this guy. In Nathaniel's name, God gives, or God is given. Isn't that so fitting for this guy who really needs the gospel and grace because of the, the edge he has? So Nathaniel's this guy from Cana, okay, a town in Galilee. And then there's also Nazareth, where Jesus has associated himself with Nazareth. Okay, Nazareth, that's what it was thought of. It was the lowest of the low. He could have been saying, I'm from Bethlehem, the city of David. Jesus associates himself with the lowest of the low. And Nathaniel's saying, what good can come from that? And there's this jealousy in, in you know, tension between the towns, kind of red state versus blue state, east bank versus rest bank, rich neighborhood, poor neighborhood, who's your daddy? Nazareth, that's garbage. Jesus sees Nathaniel approaching. What he say? He says, truly an Israelite in whom there is no guile. You know, Americans, whatever we say, what you talking about? When, when Jesus said that, the Jews would get it, okay? Because here's what's going on. Jacob, name change, the old name change, Jacob, Israel, Israelites. Jacob, was he all 100% good guy? He's the deceiver. He's deceit. He's guile. And then Jesus is saying, whoa, here's one of the ones that you were really supposed to be like. Because, Nathaniel, I know you, even though you got this, you know, what's from Nazareth, you're going to be willing to listen to the truth and consider the facts. There's no guile in you. So Nathaniel, so how do you know me? How do you know me? And Jesus says, I saw you under the fig tree. 
I saw you under the fig tree. Now, one thing to realize in this is, this isn't those of you who remember the $6 million man. He had those bionic eyes, right? And he could, and he could see people like a mile away or whatever. That's not what, <laughs> that's not what Jesus was saying. I saw you under the fig tree and you were like hiding and miles away. No. He's saying, I walked by, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathaniel knows what's going on, okay? And here's why. Fig tree, fig tree, leafy, leafy, shady tree, and often what those Jews would do, study, sit, meditate under the tree, praying, meditating for the coming king of Israel, the Messiah, Jesus said, I saw you. You're saying you're the guy. And so that's what Nathaniel does. He says, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus looked in his heart. And, and, and we'll say that that's supernatural knowledge. This is Jesus being Jesus, Holy Spirit, giving that information to him. So when, when, when he gives that testimony of Jesus, you're the son of God, you're the king of Israel, Jesus then starts to move into a dialogue with him. One, king of Israel. Jesus, in effect, says, yeah, I, I am the king of Israel, but not like you think. You know, at this stage in the game, Nathaniel, you want me to, uh, you want the, the Maiga hat. <laughs> Make Israel great again. No, that, that's not the king that I'm going to be. I'm, I'm the son of man. I'm the son of man. And I'm willing to die. And so what he says is, Nathaniel, you're, you're basing your faith right now because of this miracle of me telling you who I am and seeing you under the fig tree. There's a lot better to come. There's a lot better to come. So we got the five guys, and then we've got Jesus. Always good to finish with Jesus. Jesus gets the last word in this. And what he's saying, Nathaniel, get this. You based your faith on the miracle. You're going to see better. And you, you, is a plural. So Jesus talking to Nathaniel, but it's you and all the disciples and all the disciples to come and us in here you'll experience greater than that. He says, this whole Jacob thing, and what, what's this angels ascending and descending, what he was doing, Nathaniel, you know your Bible, Jacob had the dream, ladder, angels going up and down. I'm the ladder. It's not one of the official I am statements, but Jesus was saying, in effect, I'm the ladder. I'm the one who bridges heaven and earth. I'm your way to God. So if there's, if there's an unbeliever this morning and your idea is kind of like, hey, I, I, you know, the rough around the edges, I need to get a little better, a little bit better and go up the rungs of a ladder. Jesus say, no, I am the ladder. I'm the only way, period, to God through me. I'm the ladder. And then for the believer, what's also in this, saying, look, angels of God, angels of God. For the believer, I don't know how all this works, but he's saying, 
in our lives. There's going to be hard stuff. And I'm not just going to take away the suffering and all that, but there are angels there to help us. They come in and through me. There is blessing for you through relationship through me. So this morning, we've seen five guys who, who in effect, met Jesus relationally in different ways. And, and they can be, in effect, uh, uh, models, models for us as far as being a witness. You know, we often think of witnessing as a verb, but witness, is, it, it's a noun. You're a witness, I'm a witness on a good day, bad day, so-so. We are witnesses. We are witnesses everywhere, at home, with brothers and sisters, at school, out on the field, at work, in the store. We are witnesses, not just when we're on the mission field. Main thing, tell people, come and see. Come and see Jesus. So for the believer, application this morning, these are same questions for me that I need. What effect, what effect is Jesus having on you? That relation, what effect is it leading to in transformation? Our lives are so defined by what we pay attention to. How well are we paying attention to him in relationship? What habits, what habits do you have for following him? And then here's a good thing. We get to be patient. We get to be patient and give ourselves grace in this. But you just think about this. A flower, flower planted, tomorrow, that flower looks the same. But it's blooming in its time. God is bringing about, God who is always good, is bringing about his results in his time so we give ourselves grace because he gives us grace as we're being transformed. And then for the unbeliever, simple question, simple question they all got asked, would you be willing? Would you, could you? Come and see, come and see. Would you pray with me? Our Father and our God, I, I thank you for this word. That, that I needed, and I will need tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, and I think likely many of us need to come and see. Jesus, our Savior, give us a deeper relationship, deeper relationship with you. We need it. You're good. You're always good. There'll be lots of bumps and things like that, but in the end, it's for good. And we thank you and we praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.